When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back. It is Jay Scott, and it is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. Appreciate you stopping by, and please remember to leave us a review at the end of the episode. Let us know what you think and give us your feedback. Reviews are very important to podcasts like this show, so please, uh, we appreciate the time and the feedback if you so choose to, to leave a review. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, the official podcast network of Metallica, so check out Metallica's podcast on our platform. You can find Pantheon Podcast at PantheonPodcast.com, as well as on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Pantheon Pods. And you can do the same with the Hook Rocks on all three of those platforms. And don't forget to set your app wherever you like, subscribe, or follow the podcast so you can get the latest episodes right to your phone. And you can check out our recent episodes. We just celebrated our 500th episode with Dax Nielsen from Cheap Trick. We had Nita Strauss, the great guitar player from Alice Cooper. We've also had some great recent shows as well. We welcomed in Chris Voss from The Record Company. We also talked Jimmy Page, the legacy of Jimmy Page, with our favorite luthier from Hermosa Beach, California, Mike Longacre, and plenty of other shows that we've had throughout the year, like Richie Kotzen. We had Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick as well, and many others. So please check them out and uh, let us know what you think on that. And today's episode is a pretty special one. Um, as I was just telling 
Brett, before we got on, that uh, I got introduced to this band through my son when he was like 14 or 15 years old. And I had just started this podcast and he says, Dad, you got to have these guys on. These guys are like the best band that's out there. And I totally got into them after that. This band was it's just incredible. Um, and I know I haven't told my son that they're going to be on. I'm just going to surprise him with the episode. So hopefully uh, as he's away at college, he'll find time to give me a call and text me about uh, about the <laughs> interview that I'm about to do. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome in singer Brett Emmons from the band Glorious Sons. What's happening, man? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, man. It looks like you're on the road. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Never ends. Never ends, yeah. man. Well, the new album, Glory, came out earlier this month, and it is absolutely fantastic. I was able to sit with it here over the last few weeks, and um, we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about it. But first, as we always start every time we have a first-time guest on the show, we ask the same question, and it's the essence of who we are. Just like every rock song has a hook that pulls you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? I think it probably was Hell's Bells by ACDC. Um, I remember as a kid, I had these like uh, these toys that I, I would turn into like wrestling figures. Um, and I put this boom box on for his name was uh, Shocker. <laughs> and uh, he was the champ. And I would make his walk, walk up song Hell's Bells. So I'd press play and Shocker would walk into the ring. Uh, but ACDC, just like the power of that just blew my mind as a kid. Like I, I couldn't believe that there was something in the world that was so powerful. And, you know, I grew up uh, thinking that every song had to be about hell and, <laughs> and the devil. And I get up on stage with my brother's band and sing these songs. I like family reunions about the devil and hell and stuff. And uh yeah, that was that was the thing that really like before it was Spice Girls and Backstreet Boys and when I heard ACDC there was no going back. Oh, of course, man. I wonder how many songs on in ACDC's catalog have the title Hell and the title Rock in them. <laughs> yeah, but they're still the thing it's, is is that they're still so amazing. Like that one that they released, I think like five years ago, uh Runaway Train. Yeah, that was such a that was such an awesome rock song. Like, my God, I think, I think honestly, I don't really know for sure, but Malcolm being gone probably will affect that a little bit. But he, he's a genius. Like they they maintained that style over the years. It was the same thing every time, but it was always so awesome. Like they 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 really had um, uh, an equation. It seemed but one that just was always interesting and worked. It's amazing too. Their last album power up, they used Malcolm's demos or recordings of his rhythm guitars to kind of base their songs around. And it's yeah. just a killer album. And you know, the thing that's so amazing about ACDC is the simplicity. It's yeah. so simple, but if you try to play it, it's difficult to play. It's that's the thing. Hard. It's in the details. It's all yeah. in the details. The way that he plays the rhythm guitar, nobody can play that that way. It's all in his hands. And um, it's it's highly underappreciated. I got in a fight with a friend. Um, you know, he's a fancies himself 
like a real music, you know, crit- critic. Um, and I was like, dude, ACDC's, you know, one of the best punk bands ever. Like, <laughs> like if, if you, if you love punk, then you should love, love ACDC because some of their early stuff with Bon Scott, I mean, you know, what's that song called? Um, jailbreak. Yeah. Jailbreak. That's a, that's a, that's a freaking punk song. Like he made it out with a bullet in his back and we fought all night about it. And then a month later he came back to me and he was like, man, I was wrong about ACDC. <laughs> well, he, I mentioned my son at the beginning of the show, he was doing school of rock and part of his audition was he had to learn how to play thunderstruck. Oh and, man. Yeah. And he's like, he thought the lead was going to be the most challenging thing. And he's like, yeah. no, he's like, Malcolm is all on about timing. Like, and there's no, and the patterns are so like out there because there is really isn't a pattern. It's all on timing, hitting the, hitting the, uh, the strings at the right time with the beat is like, it's like, it's so hard to play. He was so frustrated with it. He, well, he plays all his chords a little differently too. There's like a way that he plays them that is a, a little unique. Steve, our guitarist is showing me one day and, and it makes it like kind of like a really clean, but powerful sound. Yeah. And they're all kind of, a lot of times they're open too. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, you, you, you couldn't get me to say a bad thing about that band. I think they're one of the greatest bands of all time. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, is that when people say, Oh, it's just simple. It's no big deal. Well, if it's that simple to play and that easy to play, yeah. why is it never do it? Do it? <laughs> yeah. 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 So we're going to go from there, from, from Hell's Bells in the wrestling intro to, uh, <laughs> to, here, to here you are now fronting Glorious Sons. How did the path continue for you? Well, I, I think like the second band, interesting enough, was Guess Who, Canadian band. Um, I really kind of like bonded with one of my teachers about Guess Who in public school. Um, running back through Saskatoon was a big one for me. Um, so, you know, interesting twist there, but I think like to get into this kind of, you know, the way I write music obviously is way different than ACDC would. I, I think that the main pillar to that was, uh, Jackson Brown. When I first heard Jackson Brown, um, I was in a band called Stone City Limits back home and, um, you know, we wrote a lot of songs about nothing and about growing up. Some of them were about something like we had this sweet song called rags that I still kind of like am impressed that we wrote. Um, but, um, that was about growing up in like a shitty Canadian town. Um, you know, it's actually not that shitty, but you know, when you're a high school kid, you think everything's crap. But, um, when I first heard Jackson Brown, uh, I realized, you know, there were, that rock and roll could be a lot more from the heart, you know, from the soul. And, and I, I, I would look around at all the things in my town and I would listen to his music. And it seemed like he was writing about all the things that I felt and kind of, uh, uh, believed like, and it was really the song, the pretender that I would say changed, uh, the musical direction of my life, I guess, you know, for lack of a better term. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, that's when I started kind of, you know, thinking more and wanting to write more about the way that I feel and 
the things that I think and the things that I see and be a little more observational, I think. It definitely affected your your writing approach. As far as singing goes, who was some of your your influences? Uh, So when I got invited to join a band in high school, I immediately put on Lane Staley and I tried to sing. I put on um, The Rooster and I tried to sing The Rooster over and over again because I always had a naturally raspy voice. Um, But I wanted to kind of like really pull out the power in my uh, voice. And, um, you know, that was pretty hard, to be honest. <laughs> I never quite got there. But uh, they ended up kicking me out, and then I um, put on a song called Wheat Kings by the Tragically Hip, and I just sang that. I sang that song for about six months until my voice started sounding better to myself. But, you know, the classic singers for me were um, – you know, Lane Staley, um, you know, uh, Robert Plant. Like, it was a lot of the classic guys that I really, truly, like, uh, fell in love with early on. Um, not really that they necessarily, that shows in my voice, I don't think, really. But, um, yeah, a lot of the classic rock guys. Uh, Bob Seger is one of my, one of my favorites. Um, yeah. You mentioned Bob Seger's, you know, the vocal approach and 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 Jackson Brown's writing approach, and, and Bob has a Bob Seger has a lot of observational approach to his and storytelling too, as well to his writing, whether it's Night Moves or Against the Wind or Turn the Page, you know, yeah. what, whatever it is. Um, when, when you think about those two in the writing sense and how you write, and you mentioned that you you became more observational. Do you kind of stay in that observational window or bubble or do you do you write things about personal stuff or what other maybe other someone else is going through or perspective or do you like to stay in that observational? Well, it's really it's really like you just get hit by a light, um, to be honest. For for myself, I just kind of do that, do it constantly. I'm always thinking about it um, and I don't really necessarily know when it's going to come or where it's coming from. Um, there's no real equation for me. It's just something that I kind of have to do. And a lot of the time it's just about me puking up my feelings. And um, sometimes it's, uh, you know, there's a song that we have called the Costa Nostra and unreleased song. It's one of my favorites that it was just a story that I just walked around and I just, you just kind of talk to yourself all day and work out the kinks and, um, you know, I've always, always loved to write. It's one of my favorite things to do. And it's something that a lot of the times just helps me. So, um, yeah, there's no real, there's no real equation for me. It's just something that I kind of need to do and love to do. It's kind of a sense of therapy in a way for a lot of people who create and write music, getting getting your feelings out on paper or however you do it now on a, on a, you know, laptop or iPad or whatever it is. Um, Because, you know, as you go through experiences, I mean, I always found that people that write music have a, have a more of a keen sense of awareness uh, of how emotions affect people and impact people because of how it impacts themselves. 
And you know, when you're writing that stuff and it's kind of therapy, it also helps you gain perspective of maybe something you went through, you know, a long time ago or you're currently going through now. Does that work for you in terms of of getting those emotions out? I mean, you mentioned like you you have these things in your head all day and getting them out on paper and writing it and structuring a song. Does that help you kind of gain a different perspective of what you're going through? I think for sure it does. Um, not even just what I'm going through. Like a lot of the times if you're writing, say about somebody else, you're kind of trying to un- unlock the puzzle of someone else. So it'll help you gain a perspective about another person even. Um, and in, and it's something they don't even have to tell you because you're sitting around trying to solve these puzzles, right? That's what kind of writing a lot of the time is, uh, at least writing in the form of songs because, um, you know, you've got a very short window to say a lot. Um, so in a way it works like a short story or like a haiku or, you know, a poem in, in a sense where you want to leave the biggest impact on somebody that you can in a short period of time. And, um, to be honest, I'm not really necessarily like the greatest melody writer, but I'm, I'm very good. I think at like, uh, thinking I'm, I, I really am good at like trying to make people think and then kind of like unlocking exactly what you say, like that, that feeling of uh, perspective and uh, just putting weight on, on things that maybe people don't always necessarily uh, uh, think about. You said something really important there in terms of writing about how you've, you know, a song is usually three to five minutes long. And you know, you've got to get your thoughts out very quickly and to the point. However, behind those words is a lot of thought of what you're writing about and in the experience and how you have to shape those thoughts into a song and be very concise. And the words are important to get your point across. How do you filter that through with the thought process of what you want to write about to what you put on paper? Well, a lot of the times is it comes with a uh it'll start stream of consciousness and then the editing process is when you start kind of filtering it out um because it's much it's it's kind of stifling if you start thinking too much right away you can really kind of uh you can really kind of just screw the whole process up in that way um but yeah, it starts, it starts with stream of consciousness and then you start to kind of be a little more responsible with it, I guess. And you start to think about really what you're trying to get at. And, uh, you also kind of have to, um, yeah, I guess be responsible with what you're saying because you, you don't want to look back on a song and hate it. Um, and that means that it should mean something to you in my eyes. Like I don't like to write things that don't mean anything thing to me i i i've done that before and i don't really like that feeling and you know if you if how are you going to sing it every night if it really doesn't mean anything to you um and yeah it should mean something to you and you know it should come from a place of uh like uh, good faith and um and it should be in my eyes for myself it has to it has to kind of like enrich your world a little bit more, I guess. 
The new album, Glory, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, came out earlier this month. It's an absolute beautiful record and just enjoyed listening to it. It's one that you just want to keep listening to. As you guys approach this this album uh, versus what you guys have done in the past, was there any differences in how you wanted to approach the music with this album? Oh, I think there was a ton. This one took a long time to kind of work out because, um, you know, we've been, it's, it's already hard enough because we try, we try to do something kind of like different each time and kind of keep ourselves on our toes. And really, it's maybe not even about trying to do something different, but we kind of have to in a way, I guess. Um, and so that's already hard enough, but I think also going, you know, through COVID, um, you know, there wasn't a lot to write about. So, um, you know, it wasn't a very, uh, inspiring time, I wouldn't say, um, for the guys. So, uh, it took a minute, but I think the approach was just a lot more personal for me. Um, which put a lot of pressure on the guys because they could kind of see me struggling personally with this. And I didn't really want a lot of help, um, early on with it. Um, and, um, yeah, the approach was just kind of like dig deep and, 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 and write about yourself and, and get this stuff out on paper and, and work it out and kind of like that therapy thing we were talking about, but kind of like times 1000, I would say, (laughs) um, so that was pretty, pretty big approach. And then the other thing was kind of trying to like form the musicality of it. You know, we've done a, we've done a lot of like really hard hitting stuff and, and, uh, we've, we've worn kind of the meat and potatoes hat before and whatnot. We wanted to be more ambitious on this one. And, uh, the musicality mattered a lot more to me. Um, you know, finding the right chords in the right place and, and trying to piece together kind of more of an art piece that would kind of move people with the music at the same time as the words. Um, so that was also quite a bit to work out. Um, but I, it ended up working really well and I'm, I'm very proud of the album. I think it's probably my proudest, um, as far as our catalog over the years. So I found the same thing with your music on this album too. I always like when lyrics and the music create a mood. Yeah. And, and this, and the lyrics reflect the music. And I found that to be very strong with this record, you know, listening to the arrangements and the music, the way it was laid out with the lyrics over and the singing over it. Um, I felt like it really, it, it really was, like you said, more artistic than it was maybe previously, where it was kind of like the full body of music. And, you know, and you mentioned that in the, it was hard to create because of the pandemic, there wasn't a lot going on. So how does a band who kind of relies on personal experience and, you know, when you're, when we're all going through this pandemic, the personal experiences are kind of few and far between, except for sitting around doing nothing. How do you find that within yourselves as a band, as you, as a, as a writer to, to, like you said, dig deep because there had to be a struggle, like you mentioned. It it was really, really hard. Um, honestly, 
there was there was never there was never gonna be like I I have to write anyways. So if you're writing songs all the time and you've got nothing to do already, you're gonna write more songs. Uh, more so, it was about trying to unlock like trying to get past that fear of like talking about uh, like myself as openly as possible, to be honest, was the real hard thing. And um, yeah, it was just about kind of going down and really kind of yeah, digging up some of these things in the past and the way that I felt and um, trying to organize them and, you know, trying to speak a little bit kinder to myself. And I think, you know, one of the Thankfully, and probably wouldn't have worked if not, I think during that time, the one thing that we were provided was a lot of time to work on ourselves and kind of think about ourselves. Um, I think everybody was. Um, so that's kind of was the natural progression of the way the mu- the music started turning. Um, you know, I wrote so many songs, you know, and 98% of them, um, you know, I'll never look back on again. But the ones that all that stuck through that period um, were the ones that had meaning. And to be honest, most of the meaning was coming from, you know, um, the stories of, say, you know, me and my family and, um, you know, my closest friends and whatnot, because that's that's who I uh, that's who I could rely on during that period. When the band's recording this album and coming together to put it, put it all together, uh, when did you guys realize with the music and the lyrics and creating this atmosphere that you did on Glory, when did you realize that you were hitting on something like this was it? This is what you were, you were searching for. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, I think for everybody, it would be maybe different. I think like when we finally uh, brought our producer back, Frederick, uh, from Copenhagen, when some of the restrictions of release and weed, uh, for lack of a better term, failed so many times. Um, Frederick came came to my house and we started working. I could just see everybody's eyes lighting up in that period. Uh, for myself, I felt like I really started kind of like crafting the story and understanding what was happening with the album. Uh, about six months, seven months earlier, uh, when I, I actually finished a therapy session, which is embarrassing to admit. And, uh, and we were talking about stream of consciousness, uh, and like, you know, and trying to get back and working that muscle kind of freely. And I just started writing like immediately afterward. And I was just kind of like speaking the words and glory came out. And I, I looked at it. I didn't really necessarily know what it was about. And then I kind of like looked at the words and I was like, this is the story of our band. Like this, it's kind of metaphorical, but to me, I could tell that it was the story of our band. And I felt like when I hit on that, I knew like, okay, this is things are going to be okay. You know, Every, everything's going to be all right. I've, I've kind of found, I found that little crack of light to run toward and uh, that opened everything up for me. When it did open up, like you said, you know, and it, you were, it was kind of stagnant with creativity because of the situation. Did it, fi- did it feel like, like a floodgate opening up? Like there were, there were avenues of creating and writing and, and, you know, lyrical content that were, was coming fast and, and it was coming like, like you, like it was all built up and just waiting for something like this to release it. Well, yes, for sure. Like, because as a writer, like I, I can be quite, um, like I can be quite, I can run in spurts quite a bit. So yeah, like in a period like that, I, I can't really remember now, but a lot of the times I'll go through like these two week periods of just like, you know, very efficient, a lot of songs, um, you know, and I'll just get them out and it'll just be kind of this crazy, crazy chase. Um, but the thing that actually glory did was it also put some perspective to like some, like two or three older songs or maybe four older songs that I'd written. It gave a whole new perspective to those stories that I didn't have that, and it put more meaning into those songs. And I was able to bring them back and kind of frame them in a new light and kind of just work on the whole story of what I was talking about. Um, like that being cosmic beam was one of them. Um, speed of light was one of them. Um, yeah. So, it definitely is. It's like a floodgate opening up, but it's kind of like for me, this like mad, this mad dash to get whatever's inside me out, uh, uh, as fast as possible. Um, and as much as possible, you know, like 12 hours will go by and 
I'll have like, you know, 20 messages on my phone and everything that I was supposed to do, I didn't do. And, you know, that'll happen for like two weeks for me. But yeah. Is this why when you talk about the struggle of putting this album together, is this why when you made the statement early in the interview that like this is the work you're most proud of because you know where it came from and you know how the band kind of had to had to fight through to get to this point? Uh, definitely a part of it. Um, you know, I think I drove a lot of my band members pretty crazy during this period. Um, so, yeah, they're, it's, I'm definitely proud of all of us, the way that we kind of like rallied around, but I'm also just proud of, um, we didn't stop, you know, there was never really like, any thought of stopping there was no you know nobody complained about covid you know nobody like nobody was sitting there whining about this stuff we just kept on going and you know it really did hurt at times there was periods where i couldn't even look at a guitar i look you know I, and it, it just kind of showed how resilient we are and how much we want to do this and i think everybody really came together and supported one another in the end there was it's a very very hard time i think for for a lot of people and it was hard to be in a band too you know a lot of times artists look at an album as kind of like a diary entry of their life and their career however long it spans and you know now the glory is complete and it's out for public consumption how do you look at that diary entry when you think of this album. I kind of, I think that, um, I think it's a really, really good, uh, indicator of, I guess, um, maybe growth in a way. Um, I just, I don't feel like I did two or three years ago. I don't, I don't feel like, the guy that I used to feel like, and I'm definitely a lot more uh, kind to myself. And I think I'm, uh, I think I made it out of the last three or four years in a much better way than I was before. And I don't necessarily know, you know, exactly all the details on that necessarily, like um, why or how or <laughs> whatever, but I just, things just seem a lot more steady and uh, lighter. And um, I think that, you know, if you were to go listen to war and everything, if you listen to like wild eyes um, or, um, you know, wild eyes is a good indicator. There's a lot of like, you know, darkness in a lot of that stuff, um, which, you know, is definitely, there's a, there's a, there's a side to me that I'll never lose that, it, that that's part of me. Um, in that way, but I really think I couldn't keep on um, feeling so nihilistic and 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 angry for myself um, anymore. And I think that Glory, the album, is kind of a good indicator of um, that. You know, I didn't want to put that shit out into the world anymore. Um, you know, and maybe I will want to again. <laughs> Who knows? But. You know, at this point in my life, I just, I needed, you know, 
I needed to figure out myself and I, I got single and I got, you know, happy in the mundane life, you know, the mundane parts of life. And I think that was a really important thing, uh, for me to figure out because, you know, all through from 19 till 29 or 28, I was on a tour bus basically. And I'd come home and the silence would just murder me, like just absolutely murder me. And, you know, sometimes I'd go to the bar for a month, you know, and just self-medicate that way. Um, so that forced pause was really good for me. And I think it was good for the band in a way too. And that's, that would be the way I look at that diary, diary entry, which is a lot of self growth. Yeah, you know, self with self growth, it comes personal evolution, right? I mean, it becomes like a change of who you are. And, you know, look, listening to you talk about this album and the process pre and during and now, now that it's released, it seems like at the beginning of this album, when you started to create it, you were a completely different person than you are at the end of this album. And that's a pretty cool thing to kind of have that evolution happen over a, a span of time like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Completely different. Maybe not, but I am a different person for sure. Like I'm, I definitely feel different than I did. And it's, it's, it feels much better to feel this way than it did the other way. Well, moving forward too, I mean, I know you guys just released this album, but you also have to have a sense of excitement that this personal growth and evolution happened because I think it can also elevate an artist like yourself into like another level of creativity, like another door has been opened that maybe was, you, maybe you couldn't get, get to a couple of years ago. Yeah. I think that there's like, you know, the doors are all around you all the time. Like I, I really do. And it's kind of just about how comfortable you feel in opening them. Um, yeah. Like to me, I don't know necessarily then the next, what the next album is going to be about or, or what it's going to necessarily represent. Um, but if you're just kind of like, writing all the time and open to the experience, it will present itself. Um, there's, there's no, there's no doubt about that. There's, there's no shortage of things that anybody could write about, um, in their own lives. Um, that, that, that people, I think genuinely are better off to hear, um, you know, whether that's even just a family member, but you know, I think people, people need humans to write for humans. They really do need that. Um, there's, it brings a value to, to us that, uh, I don't think, uh, can be overstated. We need to kind of have, we need to have voices that we can relate, relate with and try to, uh, understand the struggle that, you know, that, it's, it's really mundane life is it's really it, it, most of the time our problems present themselves as like these little like pinpricks all day long <laughs> and and we need we need a voice to go to and i have my voices and that that i go and listen to and hopefully we can provide that for some people too that's really where the connection to the art form of music is is 
for people who can't, and maybe even people who can, but are, struggle to find the words to describe a situation or an emotion, can always find a song that perfectly describes it, right? And, and yes, and you know that's why people want to share music with other people because they want people to hear what songs speak for them. Yes, and it's such a powerful thing. You know, and, and and you need to have that too as an artist. And it's kind of like for you as a creator and also a fan, it's kind of like a, a full circle of life within the music, you know, between the life of music and being in music. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't, I don't like generally listen to a lot of music. Like I won't like go searching out a ton of music, but when I find something, it speaks to me and I delve into it deeply like I, I i look to it i look to it uh for support in my life and um yeah it's a very important thing i think and um you know yeah like the, there's a song called i don't live here anymore by the war on drugs that like absolutely there's there's no doubt and i think that everybody can say this about a song it changed my life two years ago like it just made my life easier to live and that is an unbelievable thing that that we have something that can do that. And it's not something that, uh, you know, sitting here on a tour bus traveling across the country that I'll ever take for granted again. I have before in my life, but it, it's just a it's a beautiful life to be able to live. It is. As you guys now are touring and supporting this album. What are the plans for the band in terms of being on the road and, and, you know, for the foreseeable future? Number one, we have to survive. Um, touring is about survival. Uh, that's what my friend John Angus told me early in my career. And, uh, he's remained right all this time. I sitting here at 31 on a tour bus is a lot different than it was, uh, 25. I felt like you could literally take a sledgehammer to my throat and I would, you know, wake up and be able to sing the next day. Now it's kind of, I'm just learning over the past year and a bit, like things are a little more tedious, um, you know, and it's interestingly enough, the more healthy you live off of tour, uh, the harder it is to tour because you're in a tour bus. So waking up at seven in the morning, you're going to bed at, you know, one o'clock, you're only getting six hours of sleep, which is not very good for a singer. Um, like you need a ton of sleep, um, in order for your voice to kind of regenerate and, and be healthy. Um, so yeah, number one, it's survival for us, I think at this point, which we we're we're, we're doing pretty good. It's, it's been, it's been actually one of my favorite tours so far, but it's been a learning experience to say the least. Um, and then after that, um, you know, same thing as always 57 shows, get home. Right. Hang out with my dog shambles and, um, you know, try to start putting the pieces together for another album. It's pretty simple. You've mentioned 57 dates. Is there any possibility it could be longer based on the album or is it just pretty much you have a cycle that you guys are set with? We have a cycle. It's just we'll probably end up going out on tour in the spring, too. Um in what that looks like, I don't know for sure yet. Um, you know, these album cycles can span anywhere from, you know, a year to 
you know, three or four years, to be honest. I think like the Young Beauties album cycle really was a four year um, experience because Shotgun kind of started taking off eight or nine months after the album had been released. So it kind of breathed a whole new life. And, you know, we ended up in Australia, we ended up in Europe. We went back into the States and we did another Canadian run. It was just kind of this crazy ride, but you never really know with that stuff. Um, I think at this point, it's probably pretty important to stay responsible with that kind of thing. Um, because you can really burn yourself out. And I think we did burn ourselves out on that album cycle, you know? Um, but yeah, take it as it comes and, you know, just keep writing. I think that's pretty much the main thing. Yeah. You know, hopefully at some point you get to Chicago here. Um, I know you guys have yeah. been through before, but, um, you know, always and enjoy I think we're coming actually to Chicago soon. Packer, when are we in Chicago? Like six days? The 25th. So like, what is it? Today? It's a Monday. I don't know. The... Yeah, Monday. It's Monday. Right? Mondays. I know. Yeah. I got, uh, <laughs> yeah, I got to, I got to, I got to make sure I can make that because that would be awesome. We'll get you on the guest list for sure. Appreciate that. Thank you. Brett, it's been a blast talking with you, learning more about you, learning more about the band and, and the music. Um, I, I really do appreciate it. Thank you for the time. Thank you. Thanks a lot. This was really fun. Awesome. Everyone, that is Brett Emmons from the band Glorious Sons. Check out their new album, Glory, out this past uh, September 6th. Uh, you will enjoy it. It's a fantastic record. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Take care of each other, stay safe, and we will talk soon. Thank you. What happens next? Tell me a story. Put on an accent. Give it some glory in a British rain that makes you feel insane. Makes you feel human to inflict your own pain. Hey, what's your deal? Come on, who cares? The elevator's waiting. Why would we take the stairs to get right onto the top and let your soul fly? It's such a pretty view. Just don't ask yourself why. Are we just a few spirits starting to lose our
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 